Transportation Matters, the CEO podcast of Daimler Trucks and Buses. Welcome to our new episode of Transportation Matters. My name is Martin Daum. I'm the CEO of Daimler Trucks and Buses, and I hope all of you are well and healthy. Thank you all so much for being with us again. We want to talk about a highly important, yet often controversially discussed topic. We want to talk about diversity. Diversity comes with a particular challenge. It runs the risk of being just a buzzword. Because while everybody now talks about diversity, it's all too often remains unclear what diversity actually means and what we should actually do about it. We want to do it different today with our podcast. We want to shed some light on the concept of diversity and discuss how we can make it work in every day's business life. I'm very glad that we've got the perfect guest for that discussion, Anna Christina Gronert. Since 2013, Mrs. Gronert is a chairwoman of Charter der Vielfalt. Charter of Diversity is a nonprofit association committed to promoting diversity in business culture. Mrs. Gronert also wrote a book on rethinking management and is an advisory board member of GFG Alliance, a global industrial group. In the course of her career, she held various high-ranking positions at well-known companies like ABB, Ernest Young, and the Alliance. Mrs. Gronert, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me for this very important topic. <laughs> Yeah, and when I look at Charter der Vielfalt and your position there, this is certainly more than just a job for you. Could you share with us why Charter der Vielfalt is so important and what triggered your decision to get involved with this organization? Yeah, I think it's about the last 30 years of my career we are talking about. So it's really close to my heart to work within my way of influencing the transformation of society and especially helping to understand that diversity is a lot more than just a program for women to speak up in a culture. It is the underlying success factor for all the companies that have to face all the changes in the world and um, have to adapt pretty fast. So my personal career, as you can imagine, it's like 30 years being more or less the only woman in the room, in the boardroom, and um, just seeing a lot of fantastic people that tend not to speak up like others. And to reach out to all their ideas was always very important for me because if they are not heard and not visible in the decision-making process, companies leave out a very, very important human capital, as we say, but innovation and ideas and creativity. So watching that during my career made me, you know, standing up once I had uh, the position to have impact for any kind of organization like the Charter of Diversity, but also within my companies I've been working for, for people and to make them visible and making a diverse culture live. But as I said in my intro, diversity is often the buzzword. Yeah, Is diversity now just uh, the female-male gender battle or is uh, diversity much more? 
Yeah, thank you how so much you, for this would, question. Yeah, how would you define it? <laughs> it's so important to talk about it. Diversity is a lot more than just gender or a female-male battle. It's about society and business life. They are diverse and colorful. So it's about the individual and diverse perspectives. And I do believe that if companies don't connect to the society and mirror the society within their company with all the diverse perspectives, and we tend to go for specific diverse dimensions like age, gender, sexual orientation and identity, ethnicity, or just religion or your beliefs. So those are the dimensions we make visible and we talk about. But at the end, it's the holistic approach we have to face because the underlying importance is the mindset of being inclusive for every kind of perspective you see and you have in the room. And then you start developing an inclusive culture that brings you to be a lot more adaptable and uh, you start learning from each other. So it's a lot more than gender. And I really want to underline that, that if we're talking about diversity and it tends to be like that, especially in the last year, when we start discussing about the quota, we really talk about a business concept underlying every strategic decision-making process of a company. But I want to make it a little bit more difficult for you. And I remember a time when, let's say 15, 20 years ago, when I was in a company internal meeting about diversity. And yes, at that time, it was strictly socio-demographic creation, you know, nationality, gender, age a little bit, uh, disability. And then someone brought in and said, there are 78 criteria of diversity. Uh, this is typical German. Uh, yeah, we count then 78. It's not 79. It's not 77. And that enraged me. And I stepped up and says, if it's 78, then it's just the fact that every human is different. And then we are back to normal. Then everything is diverse. You have five people in a room. You have five diverse characters in a room. So what's then this difference between those five diverse characters in one room and let's say socio-demographic compartmentalization of people? I think it's the change journey. We tend to, you know, try to find dimensions we can see. And as you said, as we German, we are very good in counting and make it very strict as dimensions. And we start with that. And me watching a lot of companies starting, of course, with the gender issue saying, you know, do we have enough females in leadership position? At once they overcome that and talk about the different dimensions you just said, then they learn that it is important that the company can adapt to any kind of ideas. And then you get to the holistic approach. So yes, we start with dimensions. Yes, we start with KPIs in gender, religion, and uh, nationality. But then the longer you talk about it, the more you find out Everything that's underlying that is the inclusion aspect or the leadership aspect to be open for any kind of perspective. And that makes you in the long run so much better. And, and this is an aspect and use the word inclusive for that. That means every voice is heard and every voice is heard because what the content of the voice is and not what the background of the speaker is. Is this a good definition of uh, inclusive? Or? It's more, you know, 
when we talk about uh, inclusiveness is yes, it depends on what your background is as well. It's not only the content because the way you were raised or the way your background is, is just coloring your content as well. Because every one of us is, you know, being programmed because of their background. So if you don't see the whole person as where that comes from their ideas and what the background is, you miss out the part of the inclusion because people want to, you know, they want to be part of your company as they are and they want to be seen as they are. So their religion could be very important for their ideas and their content um, they bring to the table. So as an inclusive leader, you have to understand where the ideas come from as well. Is that understandable? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just very uh, for, complex. <laughs> it's, it's very complex. And I would say it's even more complex in day-to-day -day life. I see definitely of a non-diverse organization or non-diverse group is certainly, and that's where I was coming from, that you block out certain ideas just because you are. And now I, I take something. I, I started in the finance organization. And I always hated in my youth the sentence, oh, that the controller is speaking. What a silly remark. That is not the controller speaking. I come with my finance background. And potentially that fits into you. Yes, I come with my finance background. Look at the problem. But I don't want to be reduced to being just right. a finance background. And then I'm pushed away because now the real guys are talking. Yeah, that's exactly what you're describing. It's this in-group, out-group dynamic because you think, you feel more comfortable with people that think like you, they were brought up like you and everything else or everyone else you put in boxes and you have those stereotypes regarding to being a controller or lawyer can't count and mm -hmm. all yeah, different yeah. kind of aspects. And, you know, I'm talking about diversity a lot right now, but my background is finance and risk management. So I've been working in an engineering company and we're doing a lot of great, wonderful projects and bringing people together and moderating risk and finance. And everyone else who's talking to me or is just open and up to discussion says, oh, you're talking about gender quotas. So it's reduced. You don't mm -hmm. see the total person and not the background and the content I bring to the table. But it tends to be a lot easier to say, oh, those women <laughs> who say they are, you know, supporting quotas, they're just feminists or whatever. So you get put in a bucket. And Out of this, what you just said in my explanation, you can see how much is left out in the discussion. Mm -hmm. And this is the most important part in being inclusive. You have to have curiosity for the background, for the content, for everything a person brings to the table. Then the discussion will be enriched. And then you will be innovative because you listen to other ideas and you're not tend to saying, I'm the expert. I'm telling you my all my expertise from the past. And now I listen a little bit to you, but I know I made up my mind already because this is the safe way. You're just replicating your successes from the past. And that's why diversity is so important because you have to start with the leader. You know, they have to open up out of their comfort zone. They have to find a new way of seeing things to not get stuck with the successes of the past, but being, you know, 
setting new goals and bringing people to the table that could be a total different way than what you have done, like process optimization in the past. And that reminds me of one of my experiences in my leadership, and I don't know how to overcome the problem, which I am going to describe. I moved around a lot during my career, and I always started great jobs. The benefit was always when I started a new job, I inherited the leadership team from my predecessor. Mm -hmm. So that was normally not my team, but I learned a lot. Over time, you stay in your job, then it becomes more and more like you, because the guys you add to, and guys is gender neutral, by the way, I have never found a female word for guys yeah, in English, but this, you can enlighten me here too. Then you, you add those guys and then it becomes more and more like you and you lose diversity. Have you ever tried to measure diversity? Over the last 15 years, I have made so many reports and looked in so many companies how to measure diversity. But first, let me answer to your description. It's exactly the way it is. And you tend to, if you enter a new team, bring your old buddies, you know, whom you feel comfortable with and whom you trust. And we talk a lot about trust when we're working. You need trust to be open and to be mm. innovative and exchange ideas. But our concept of trust from the past is a concept of, I know someone because they look like me, they studied like me, they, you know, they had the same environment, so I feel safe. And now for the future, we have to, you know, be more disruptive. So if you get into a new team, you shouldn't bring anyone new. You should just listen to what you have and then add the diverse perspectives that are not there. So to open up to this new trust concept saying, you know, it's a form of deep trust. I don't need any visible signs that you are like me. I want you to be different because then I start learning. I open up my comfort zone. I can grow. I only can start learning if I have to listen to ideas I've never heard before. So I think this is this is the most important concept for, you know, being innovative and adaptable. And we know the complexity of the world right now and uh, we have to face them. And one expert alone and all alike experts won't be able to adapt to all those changing environments. But let me challenge you further on that. So one thing is clear on that concept, diversity makes an organization, a group, a team, a company more successful because we look at more aspects. But doesn't it, on the other side, slow down a company more? You can say the most successful company these days are electronic startups, and those are all 20 to 25-year-old young white men or Asian men. Uh, that's a pretty <laughs> non-diverse <laughs> culture, and they are really successful. Yeah, but we see a lot of German companies, including yours, being very successful and you're a lot older. So um, let's talk you. about, <laughs> you know, surviving the aspects of change. I mean, you have done such great podcasts on digitization, globalization, climate change. So there are so many aspects you have to adapt to. Mm. And this is what I'm talking about. Yes, you can have a like people, like 10 And you have a discussion. And after the discussion, it probably will be half an hour. You decide something and you have an option. You agree on everything. 
But just quoting back all the mega trends, if you have only one option, I mean, one option <laughs> won't let you survive those future challenges. So you need 10 different perspectives and an inclusive leader, a little longer discussion, then you have different options and you decide on one way to walk out of the room. But you have to have the discussion before you decide. Mm. Otherwise, you know, you, you just get the answers you want to listen to. Right. And despite my challenging questions, I completely agree with you and it fits <laughs> with my experience in, in a lot of uh, things we have to do. And Daimler Trucks is a global organization. I think one of the big benefits are that we are really, while we are Brazilian in Brazil and Japanese in Japan and German in Germany, yeah, when we work together on a global project, it's very enlightening to get the different aspects into those project teams and come up with solutions that are far more bigger and better than if we would just do that in a room here in southwestern Germany. It's <laughs> always the same. Yeah. And if you look at 25-year-old companies and they just grow on one product, yeah, very fast. That's the difficult decision to when you start to change that. Mm -hmm. Because then one day your market will be gone if you're not innovative anymore. So... It's the same answer. It would be the same answer for me for those companies. But now, if it's obvious that diversity brings benefits, why is there still so much of a lack of diversity? Why it's still a topic we have to talk about? Why is it a topic where your entire organization since years is dedicated <laughs> to? So why do we have to still, let's say, promote yeah, promote is potentially the right word for that cause. Yeah, sometimes I, you know, I'm doing that with all my heart and conviction, but the change is really slow. And it's, I think the only answer is that we tend to stay in our comfort zone. As you just described, we want to be with people that are like us and then we feel safe. So just distract ourselves and disrupt our teams by having, you know, totally different perspectives. A lot of people fear that moment because that's taking risk because it could be like that. And we still know that it doesn't work out because we're too different or the, you are not trained to be inclusive. So people don't tend to, you know, say like, oh, I want to mix up the team in total because then I go a, a, a risk. But we have to speed up this change because the change around us is speeding up. So in the past, I think we have just been very comfortable in that position. And in the future, we won't stay that comfortable there anymore. So um, the concept of moving out of your comfort zone and learning from people you don't know and you probably would never think about to work with. That's the answer you have to move. And it's just our comfort zone. It's so difficult to overcome. Mm. With your broad experience, especially with your long years in Charter of Diversity, are there areas where you say it's extremely difficult, like countries, like big companies in Germany, more difficult than small companies in the United States? Or where are the heights of diversity and where are the lows of diversity? And why? 
<laughs> I stay in Germany for a while because if we go too far in all the countries, we can see that in Germany we lack this disruption. We stay a little longer in our comfort zone and if we don't start to measure, we don't tend to move very fast. Uh, we are not, you know, very change driven in the past. It's changing, a lot of people speaking up. We have podcasts like the one we have right now. So, but it's still very slow. And that's if we, wherever we measure, like, of course, it's the easiest way to measure gender. Again, we see that uh, the changes in Germany are very slow. And if we look at the rest of the world, we are, and we are not used to be that in that position. We are in the last three or four in Europe uh, with visible diversity dimensions and leadership positions. And it's because we have been very good with process optimization, cost programs, repeating our solutions from the past to the future. And now we get shaken up. And, 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 and where can we see positive role models? So, so if there's a huge room of improvement, where would you point us to look to see positive examples for high diverse organizations? Uh, the UK The UK has started, I'm in that discussion, I think at least 15 years now. And wherever we have international conferences, the UK started up being very consequently. And they have CEO females and uh, everything put in part. And I think the new parliament is 50% female male split mm -hmm. up already. And of course, in everything that's uh, very important for us is... Um, Yeah, connecting life and work. So I don't like work-life balance. I don't like work-life integration, but connecting those pieces mm -hmm. in our life, everyone has to make an individual decision. It's all the Nordic states. You know, they have done a lot to just show that it's totally normal and it's totally okay to have a personal life whatever kind of personal life and connect that with a job and being a lot more flexible than we have been in the past. And of course, we have some German uh, companies I've been working with for the last 15 years. They set up a lot of fantastic program that start changing culture as well. And that helped us. And do you see diversity rather easier in bigger companies or in smaller companies? Uh, it's no difference. Uh, diversity is not a matter of the size of a company. I have seen I'm doing the inclusion prize every year and I see so many fantastic, very small companies, you know, doing a lot of very, very, very interesting and very important work within their society and within their company on the inclusion agenda. And uh, so I tend to say it's all about, you know, the mindset of the top management. So if you have a, one owner with 15 people and the owner says, I want to live it because I want to stay connected with my people, employees and clients, then it's lived. And in the huge companies, you know, I, we don't have to talk about the layers yeah. we have in hierarchy and we have layers in, uh, everywhere in leadership trainings from the past. And now we tell the people that you have to be different in the future. It's a lot more difficult because of a huge uh, group of people that have to adapt to those challenges. 
But in huge companies, you normally delegate that topic to the HR department. Say, hey, the head of HR, you are responsible for diversity. Let me do my job. That's a big <laughs> mistake. <laughs> but you certainly have heard that argument. I did, yes. I have been CHRO and it's safe with you was the first sentence I heard. And I, yeah, yeah, of course it's safe there because it's a very important topic for the employee journey. So for the attractiveness as an employer, how you onboard, how you do your career journey, how, how your learning journey looks like everywhere you have to look in all those processes. Because everywhere where the employee gets in touch with the organization, you have to live uh, that mindset. You know, you can't have an assessment set out of the 80s. I hope you don't have one. Um, where you tell people you are in or you are out. And if you are out, you can only go to very small companies because you are out of the market because uh, the company <laughs> yeah, is right. the most important company and brand. So it is very important to embed that in the whole HR journey. If we're talking about brand, our people are our brand. So mm -hmm. there again, you know, the way your culture is, wherever your client gets in touch with your employee, this mindset has to live. But at the same time, I do believe it's it has to be embedded in the strategy of the company because at the same time, as I just said, I've been a finance and risk manager. It's important for risk management and compliance. And I know some companies have made very difficult um, experiences. Mm -hmm. They would have seen uh, risk coming up if the mindset would have been open to speak up. And say, do we all sail in the same direction? Are we doing the good thing for, you know, the company, for our employees, for our clients? And in matters of business, if, if I talk good things, people tend to say it's a charity program. It's not, it is very important and you have to be convinced as a human being. But at the same time for the business, it's just important that you don't think too short-minded. There, there are three aspects in it. On the one side, I completely agree with you. It's, it has to be part of the strategy. It has to be a kind of an inclusive strategy. It has to be embedded in so many aspects. That is the one thing. Easy, especially big companies. You have specialists on that. You have it in. The second one is you do the visible, I call it sometimes headline signs. Yes, you look, okay, we need at least... 40% females in pictures and then you have the check mark and then this picture needs to be exchanged because too many males. But this is for me more the checks the box attitude. And now comes the most difficult ones, the cultural change, you know, the doing things right by, because I'm convinced to do it. Mm -hmm. And what can we do here to promote? One thing you mentioned, it's a top-down process. If the head of the company is a senior management, is convinced, fine. But what if not, what can, and, and I think now of the listeners here, what is, if I have the feeling my boss is not thinking in these diversity categories, what can I do to change culture or what can I do other than run away and look for another place? <laughs> uh, but you're right. What is an individual approach? A top management we had, you have to have a consequence management of people talking up, even it's your best seller of breaches of this culture, you have to act. 
Because otherwise you will never build up an inclusive culture. If everyone is taken out that, you know, is reaching or overachieving your short-minded KPIs can do and act however they want, then you don't have to start doing it. You have to be very consequent. And then that especially is important that every individual being in a team meeting or meeting other people, listening to micro messaging, you know, those, you know, saying in succession planning, for example, I lived through so many processes where people say, oh, I brought another woman because I had to bring a woman. Mm -hmm. And then I say, you know, no one says anything. And I said, you know, oh, she's not good for that job. Yes, yes, I've been working with her for 10 years. Then you have to say, stop everything you said up front because you're you're harming this woman because everyone in the room is just saying he had to bring her. No, it's not true. You're just saying I've been working with her for 10 years and it was very successful. And behind that is most of the time, I don't want to give her into the succession planning because I love to work with her. Mm -hmm. So it's just this messaging and yeah. stand up. Every individual has to stand up. If a discussion comes up, that's what we call in German Alltags discrimination. It's just those small messages where you tend to be bigger by making someone less valuable because of prejudice or stereotypes. And this is the most important thing. And you have to have instruments for that. But so your remedy would be that everyone, whenever he or she detects something like that, immediately speaks up and does not let it slip like this is just how we talk or so. Yeah. And if you don't feel safe to speak up, then you have another problem with the leadership because if you don't feel safe to speak up, then, you know, you're not mm. in a trusted environment. You just step back and try to find other people and say, once again, we have to come back to your little whatever kind of message in the last team meeting. We didn't like it. And that's why we are sitting here. We are all valuable. All our differences matters. And um, we want you to look at your blind spots. So it's very individual uh, work. Otherwise, it will never work. Thing. You know, I think that the inclusion of all ideas, the opening up to other people's view of and, and experience set of the world and combine that to the best solution, I think, summarize it perfectly well. We're coming to the end of our discussion. So it was really absolutely nice to discuss with you. I think it's really great. I can wish you all the best, you know, for your charter of diversity and for the fight. You will find in our company a lot of support for that. I made personally the experience how great a, a diverse team can be internationally as well as gender, as well with age. Age, by the way, is a very big yeah, one too. There are areas where only young guys count. In other areas, only other older people count. And the reality is you need the good mix of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we're talking and about demographics. Yeah. I mean, we want to stop talking now, but we have yeah. just started on the topic. So <laughs> the next topic, we, we yeah. could go on. <laughs> no, no, that, I think that is that is always great with a good conversation. I think that is what the reason for those podcasts are, so that people start thinking, start talking in their environment. Uh, and there I want to say thank you for all the input you have given yeah. to us. Thank you thank for you. being with us. Thank you for being with you and hope to have a live meeting someday too. So... 
Very honored. And uh, <laughs> there is certainly on the, the diversity topic won't leave us. And I know now a great resource to get some more input. Thank <laughs> okay. you. Okay. Hope Gordon. to talk to you yeah. again. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for today. I'd also like to thank everyone out there for listening. Please join us again for our next episode on Transportation Matters, because transportation truly matters for all of us. Until then, take care and stay healthy. That was Transportation Matters, the CEO podcast of Daimler Trucks and Buses. Our next episode will be available on the first Wednesday of next month. If you enjoyed what you've heard, share this episode and subscribe to Transportation Matters on your preferred podcast platform. You can do this by tapping the follow or subscribe button right next to the podcast title. 